inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. It's been an honor to do that from time to time. And, of course, you can find out more information about the program at AFR.net, brought to you by American Family Association, a bedrock ministry with biblical values and principles that have stood the test of time, servicing not only Tupelo, Mississippi, but the country at large. It's been an honor. And, of course, I've tuned in all week to make sure that I've been in the know about some of our other guest hosts, like Rick Green, over the past few days, and just hearing what what he's been chatting about and what he's been tuned into. What's been pretty cool is hearing the different voices that have gone out on this platform specifically, which means not only are there experts with biblical worldviews, constitutional experts, but experts in other policies and experts in politics, and it's amazing that all of them have a biblical worldview to tie in the truth with current events and the things that are happening in the world around us. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend, at least belated. We're a week past that weekend for me in New Jersey. Here I am. We are commencing our summer season in Ocean City, New Jersey, beyond Memorial Day weekend. Not sure what your Memorial Day weekend looks like, but at the Jersey Shore, we welcome vacationers and those that are coming in for uh, tourist attractions. It's bananas. It gets busy around here. And in the midst of the hustle and bustle on Memorial Day weekend, you know, you have barbecues, you have people going to the boardwalk, you of course have one of the favorite spots called the beaches of the Jersey Shore, all of which at times can be good, but it has us missing the value of the meaning of Memorial Day in the first place, right? So we're going to talk about that very briefly because I think it's going to set the tone for our show today. And what I mean by that is this, there have been servicemen and women, thousands upon thousands of them. That's why we celebrate Memorial Day. It's to memorialize servicemen and women who have laid down their lives for the red, white, and blue, from the American Revolution to the Civil War to the World War I, World War II, Vietnam. I mean, you list it, these battles and conflicts that have paved the way for our liberties here in the United States of America, and people have shed their blood for us to appreciate those liberties. And we are blessed. We truly are. Even in the midst of our current crisis and conflict, we are those who are using our freedoms to destroy our freedoms. We are still blessed, but we have to be mindful of these God-given rights, and there's an enemy that wants to take them from us. So when you consider, if you have a loved one, family member, a friend who has served in any of the armed forces, we salute you, we thank you, we honor you, your loved one, and what they sacrifice so that we can have freedoms here in our country. And I think I wanted to start that way because it sets the stage for the greatest freedom ever given, which was the freedom purchased by Jesus Christ on the cross, the freedom of forgiveness, 
that is the greatest freedom that we can ever possess. And of course, Christ laid down his life, but not just for friends. He laid down his life for even his enemies. It's remarkable because we are able to have that freedom, understand the importance of guarding that freedom, maintaining it, sustaining it, and of course, not giving it up so easily. And I think that's what we've done over the past several decades in our land. We have held loosely to these freedoms. And I'll give you a cycle in a second of how that happens, not only individually, how it happens nationally, and how it's happening globally. But before we get there, I want to tell you a personal testimony. In light of not being able to go on air this past week, had a sudden tragedy, a loss of a family friend before Memorial Day weekend. And at his funeral, really just doing some reflecting. One, he was 41 years of age, a father of three boys, and he was currently working in corrections. He was a corrections officer. He suddenly died in a car crash. Tragic, of course, because nobody saw it coming. And that's really what I want to start with because I want you to really appreciate what you have. Because you never really know what you have until it's gone, including possessions, material things, including relationships, including loved ones, right? Tapping into the same vein of those servicemen and women who have laid down their life so that we can be free. How about losing a loved one suddenly? And it really kind of puts a shock into your system. And I think God has allowed tragedy and death and grief to do just that. It's a reminder that life is brief. We're here one moment, we're gone the next. So what are we holding tightly while we're here? Is it our salvation? Is it the things God has entrusted to us for his glory, honor, and praise? Or is it things that are going to fade away, the temporal things that mean nothing? Went to his service and again thinking about how God holds our days in his hand he writes those days in his calendar we don't know what the day holds we don't know what the week holds we don't know what the month holds but if we know the God who holds all those days I think there's always a peace and a confidence for the believer as we make our way through the uncertainties of life I thought about this young man and he was a corrections officer, and he was working at one of the facilities, ladies and gentlemen, that I was incarcerated at. Now, if you're listening and you're going, did the host just say that he was incarcerated? I did. I don't say that to be crass. I say that to be clear. Part of my testimony has lent itself to sharing freedom from a place of confinement. I made a very bad decision back in 2009 as a professional soccer player which completely upended my world and somebody else's world. And long story short, ended up as an inmate of the state. And at this one facility came this family friend. And I'll never forget it because he looked out for me when that environment has those that wear blue and those that wear brown. That's the difference between guards and inmates. It's a dog-eat-dog environment. And I can tell you from experience that those that wear blue aren't always so friendly to those that wear brown. And of course, I'm an inmate, so I get that. But he went out of his way multiple times, this young man who lost his life before Memorial Day weekend. He went out of his way to not only look out for me, but at times he'd wake me up in the middle of the night and I would get out of my bed and there would be a meal from the streets. 
a taste of freedom, if you will. At this point, I was incarcerated for over four years, had only eaten what they served you in what we called the mess hall. So just think of, you know, the lowest grade food, even below cafeteria food. And here I am able to taste a little bit of freedom in that food. And you might be listening saying, that's not a big deal. And I'm going, that was a huge deal. And I'll never forget it because now I'm able to see how this young man's kind heart was willing to give me a taste of freedom in the midst of my confinement. And I want to tell you, that is a picture of what Christ did infinitely more. He gave us not just a taste of freedom, he gave us the truth of freedom in the midst of our confinement. Do you appreciate what Christ has accomplished for you? I know I didn't. There's no other way to end up in bondage than to neglect your freedom. What do I mean by that? Well, if Christ set us free, any believer out there that's listening, you were set free from bondage. Here's your cycle. Bondage that held you. Sin, ultimately, could be a vice presently, drugs, alcohol, sex. I mean, you name it, you might be in bondage, but Christ has set you free. He's placed you on the ground of truth and in liberty in that place. We need to stay there. But because of our fleshly nature, what do we do? We drift, and we no longer appreciate our freedom. I'll tell you this. Whatever you devalue in life, you will lose it, including freedom, including God-given rights, including the appreciation of forgiveness and salvation. You lose it. And I'm not saying that in a theological sense. I am from the biblical persuasion that you can't lose your salvation because it's kept by God in his hands. And I thank him for that because if salvation was kept in my hands, I'd lose it. But it's kept in his hands. But what I'm saying is I I lose it practically, the appreciation of it emotionally. And here I am in liberty, taking it for granted, and liberty rolls over to gluttony. So you start in bondage. God sets you free. You're in liberty. Liberty rolls over to gluttony. Gluttony, look out in our culture. It's a culture of gluttony. We want more. And I think in that culture of gluttony, the gluttonous appetites of Americans wanting more, bigger, better. Gluttony, ladies and gentlemen, rolls over to complacency. This is a stage that we were probably at maybe a decade or two ago. Complacent Christians, complacent Americans. Remember, we started out in bondage. A group of men, we call them our founders, they rose up. They pushed back against tyranny They fought this war to give us freedoms. We started our own country. The founding documents were biblically based, Judeo-Christian values. Christianity was the culture of the land and yet had its faults and its failures and its fractures from its inception. But by and large, divine order determined the United States order. We were free. Home of the free, land of the brave, right? Or did I say that wrong? The land of the free, home of the brave. You get my point. And over time, We became gluttonous. We neglected these freedoms. Gluttony rolls over to complacency. Complacency is the most dangerous place to be. Complacency always rolls over to apathy. What is apathy? It's being disconnected. It's being desensitized to what's happening in our world, in our culture, in our schools, in our homes. We're apathetic. And I would say apathy towards Christ and his truth is more dangerous than enmity toward him. Enmity being at odds, at war against God. And I'm saying it's more dangerous to be apathetic towards the things of God than to actually be at war with God. At least you know where you stand when you are rebelling against God. But when you claim to be a Christian in the family of God and you're apathetic, and I think, again, this has led to 
the current crisis that we are in in our nation. Because apathy, guess what it rolls over to? Don't, don't lose me here. Bondage rolls over to liberty when you understand the one who has set you free. Liberty rolls over to gluttony when you don't protect your freedom. Gluttony rolls over to complacency. Complacency rolls over to apathy. Apathy rolls over to dependency. And we are seeing a people now more than ever who are dependent upon who? Not God. Dependent upon government dependent upon welfare, dependent upon secular programs, secular ideologies. We're dependent, and dependency rolls back over to bondage. There you have the cycle. I mean, it's consistent in human nature. It's consistent in the nations of the world like Israel and America who started out in bondage and were set free, then became gluttonous, then became complacent, turned against God, became apathetic toward Him, became dependent upon the things of the world— and entered back into bondage. And the irony of ironies and all of that, it's usually at the liberty stage where we are free to turn on the one who made us free. It's usually when we are made free that God gives the, uh, the ability for us to turn on him because he's a loving God, and we turn on the one who made us free. I watched a video a while ago. It was a, a fox. I don't know what I was watching, but it was a fox that was caught up in barbed wire. Picture a fox trying to get loose, and a human came over and intended to help the fox get loose. So he had gloves on, and he grabbed the barbed wire, and he began to untangle it, and he began to unravel it, and he began to un unwrap it from the fox's body. And as soon as the fox was loose enough or free enough to go free, it did. But before it went free, it turned and bit the hands of the human. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's exactly what we do to God. He set us free, and we turn on the one who made us free. We bite the very hand that freed us, the very life of Christ who gave us life and liberty, and it's been a slow fade in our country. It has increased rapidly these days where we've given up our freedoms. How do we get them back? Well, we gotta know not only why it's happening, we have to call out what is happening. We're going to do that when we come back from this break. We're going to look at some scripture. We're going to talk, talk about some current events, and we're going to equip the believer when we come back after the break. Matthew Mayer here, filling in for Walker Wildman. This is AFA at the core. You will know them by their fruits. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The next few weeks of SCOTUS decisions will likely be the defining moment of former President Trump's legacy in office, having filled three vacancies on the nation's highest court. There are 33 decisions to be announced this June. They include everything from the likely reversal of Roe to Second Amendment rights, religious liberty, parental rights, and the extent of the Leviathan administrative state's power. June 2022 will be the month in which we'll get the most robust clarity to date as to the nature of the newly constituted Trump Supreme Court, considering the wide array of socially impactful decisions to be announced. And you know we're going to tackle them all on the Hamilton Corner. Stay tuned. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. It can be incredibly frustrating to have a conversation with someone who has a different opinion than you. Now imagine that person is your daughter. As our girls age, they can mature into having new opinions and perspective. It's part of growing up. Before you jump to anger and frustration with your girl and her newfound opinion, remember the words of James 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Remember, no one ever changed their opinion after getting yelled at. Open a dialogue and have the important conversations with your daughter in a space free from anger. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome back here on AFA at the Core. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. If you missed segment one, you're just tuning in. Welcome, of course. I'll do my due diligence to get you up to speed. We're talking about how blessed we are to be in the land of the free and the home of the brave in light of Memorial Day. And there have been servicemen and women who have laid down their life so that we can enjoy these freedoms. But that freedom, again, pales in comparison to the, the freedom that Christ has given us in light of his life and his death. And if we're believers, we need to cherish our freedoms and we, we need to understand that God has given us the right to this life. So we don't give it up for anything. The cycle, of course, in our own lives and even in a nation starts off in bondage, rolls over to liberty, liberty not protected, lo- rolls over to gluttony, gluttony not protected, or excuse me, gluttony leaned into, rolls over to complacency. Complacency, of course, leads to apathy, apathy back to dependency and dependent people are in bondage. And the irony of ironies, it's that when we're free, we are free to turn on the one who made us free. That I speak about our country and how we bite the hand that sets us free, like a fox being set free from barbed wire, turning on the human that set it free. This is us, and it's been a slow fade that has increased rapidly these days. Here's the question. How in the world did we get here? And I don't think you can beat a dead horse in this regard. Why do I say that? Because I don't see myself or Walker or any other host that constantly 
rings this bell or beats this drum as beating a dead horse, I see it more as trying to arouse a sleeping lion, trying to arouse the sleeping Christian, the sleeping church. The question that Psalm 2 asks rhetorically, that pretty much gives us the answer biblically, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Why do people rage? Why are they rebelling against God? This one psalm is going to drive the rest of our content. Why? Because I see so many current events that are tethered to this psalm, the answer therein. Not only Psalm 2 have an application to human nature that is fallen and in rebellion against God, we see that come to its fullness and formation in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel, where people gathered together in the name of unity and diversity and inclusivity, and they tried to build something to get to God, but You can't get to God without the means that God gives us to get to him. So God scattered that. This psalm is applicable in the time of David. David had people turn against him when he was the anointed of God. This psalm is applicable in the first advent of Christ when he came. And we see the religious elite, the religious leaders, and the political leaders. Guess what they do? They come together and they attack the Lord's anointed. We're seeing this in our time right here. Why are the nations raging? Why are the leaders raging? of our country raging and plotting. I'll tell you right here, here's the simplest answer. Because man's best, apart from Christ, is really just a beast. Beasts rage, beastly behavior. A man who is in honor or authority, who does not have understanding, is like a beast that perishes. That's Psalm 49, 20. And the highest expression of this beastly behavior is always government without God. Government without God seeks to become God, and power no longer under God. It's interesting, there's been a movement to de-Christianize our society, even in 2020, where you began to hear people removing under God from the Pledge of Allegiance, and the power that is no longer under God seeks to become God. And this is what we've watched. Don't have to go far back to see man's attempt at raging against God and removing God from the public square. Remember, the Bible promises that people who reject God are given over to a depraved mind, a reprobate mind. That is sinning without any care. You can read about that in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. And unfortunately, the United States of America is a current example of what it looks like for people to be given over to their sins. Where did this begin? I'll just throw you back to 1948. The United States Supreme Court decided in McCollum versus Board of Education, here was their decision that it was illegal for public schools to house or host religious groups to instruct school children, even if it was voluntary. That was the first time that religious activity was no longer allowed to be in the public square. It only got worse from there. We know these landmark decisions by the Supreme Court, 1962, Engel versus Vitali. This ruling outlawed public school officials from composing or encouraging prayer in the classroom. One year later, Abington School District versus Shemp, the Supreme Court yet again declared that public school teachers could no longer read the Bible to their students. Now, you begin to see a slow fade, a moral decline from these dates and on. Fast forward to 1968 in Epperson versus Arkansas, an Arkansas law that prohibited the teaching of evolution in public schools was struck down. Did you hear that? A law that prohibited the teaching of evolution that we came from nothing was actually struck down. And then evolution became the story 
of how we got here. So think about that. 1970 came along, prayer was gone, the Bible was gone, evolution became the official government-sponsored curriculum in the public school system. Kids aren't told that they're valuable, so of course if you came from nothing, there's nothing to value in life. It only gets worse from here. You want to talk about systemic issues? How about the systemic removal of God from the public square in these United States? We see a decline morally. Check these stats out. At the beginning of that decade, 1960-1970, of all births were to unmarried women out of wedlock births. 14.8% of all births by teenagers were to unmarried girls. By 2001, 33.5% of all births were to unmarried women. That's an alarming 78.9% of all births by teenagers were to unmarried girls. Incidentally, abortion was legalized in 1973. The rest is history from there. The moral decline from that point forward. Again, when prayer and Bible readings and creation are removed from the public square, from public schools, when the government seeks to throw away Christianity and replace it with another religion, because it is another religion, it's just an atheistic religion or a secularism religion or a progressive religion, it's all anti-God. When Jesus is not allowed to be who Jesus is, you get the current crisis in our country. What do I mean by that? Well, everybody's talking about it, right? Gun control, gun violence. Well, the point is, the problem isn't humans with guns. The problem is humans without God. I mean, nobody's really talking about it except for Christians on these types of platforms saying, we need to wake up. This is another attempt by the government to take another one of your rights. And they're going to exploit tragedy like the loss of 19 children in Texas, two teachers, 21 in one fell swoop. And they want to talk about guns, but they don't want to talk about the evil in the hearts of those that do these things. And they want to use these tragedies to take your rights away. You don't believe me? Well, not only is Biden, a current, the current president of these United States, attempting that, you just got to look to the North and see what Justin Trudeau has accomplished with his citizenry. Run clip number one, listen to what he has done this past week. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. We're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years, and we're acting on their advice. We need less gun violence. We cannot let the guns debate become so polarized that nothing gets done. We cannot let that happen in our country. It sounds admirable, doesn't it? But every talking head is going to use the same talking points, basically exploiting tragedy, which it is, and trying to remove more God-given rights. We're seeing it unfold 
in the land to the north, and we are currently witnessing the administration in our country attempt the same thing. This is the cycle, right? But here's the reality. We will not reduce violence caused by guns until we reduce rebellion against God. Until we make an attempt to reduce the rebellion in the hearts of man against God, we will never be able to put a stop to any form of violence. And I think if you want more specificity about the current issue, I think uh, Rick Reed did a phenomenal job this past Tuesday and yesterday on the core, just kind of teasing out these rights that we have and why we should not engage in these frivolous debates that use gun control as the means that's going to reduce violence, which is not true because violence begins in the heart of man and makes no difference if it's pulling a trigger, throwing a rock, using a car, making a bomb. I mean, the list goes on. Rebellion against God is our number one problem, and nobody's saying it. The point is evil cannot ban laws. Evil cannot be banned by laws. And evil leaders don't care to ban evil. Let me say that again. Evil leaders do not care to ban evil. They actually look to take advantage of tragedies to grab more power for themselves. I heard a clip recently from Joe Rogan. Of course, this podcast over the years has blown up. Joe Rogan's not a Christian, but it seems to be that he has a reasonable mind about him. From time to time when he tackles these issues that the mainstream media is parroting or propagating to the upholding of godless governments and organizations. Joe Rogan is that voice of reason, so it seems. And this one clip really just puts to rest this idea that it's all about just gun control. And he asks a question, and he even makes mention to why people that grab power will never give up that power. Let's listen to that now. Run clip number two, please. I wrote this thing once that I said this country has a mental health problem disguised as a gun problem. That's what it is. There's so many guns. There's more guns than there are people. It's not a, I don't think it's a gun situation. And I don't think you can change the fact that there's, and I don't think it's wise to take the guns away from the people and leave all the power to the government. We see how they are even with an armed populace. They still have a tendency towards totalitarianism and the more increased power and control you have over people, the easier it is for them to do what they do. And there's a natural inclination when you are a person in power to try to hold more power and acquire more power. And it's never, there's never an inclination to give more power back to the people, to give more freedoms back to the people. Freedoms lost are rarely regained. Freedoms lost. When you give up your freedoms, your liberties, rarely are they regained. Those in power rarely give up that power. We've seen that over the past few years from COVID and governments taking the rights and the powers from the people, many of which gave it up willingly. They're not giving it back. There's no intention to give it back. And yet in the beginning of the clip, Joe mentioned it's not a gun problem. It's a mental health problem. And I would even add to that and say it's not just a mental health problem. It's a spiritual health problem. That's where it begins. And I think when we don't talk about it, when we remove the very means and power, God, from the public square, we make room for the devil to walk straight in. And he's been eroding our freedoms from the inside out for a very long time. And I think it takes these types of tragedies for people to wake up. And I think we're seeing the church, the true church, the remnant being purged and purified and waking up. Again, 
It's not about beating a dead horse. We're talking about these issues over and over. Well, the news cycle keeps lending themselves to these types of topics. We're not beating a dead horse. We're arousing a sleeping lion that we would wake up and recognize that these evil leader, leaders, they don't care about the people. They seek every opportunity to take more rights and more power unto themselves. So what is our recourse? What are we to do? Other people are talking out about this currently. They're, a- they're asking the right questions. They're giving the right answers. One would include Christy Nome from South Dakota, the governor there. She responded to President Biden's ridiculousness call for gun control during a primetime address from the White House, and she was on Hannity actually last night. She argued that this push for gun legislation, which we've been here before, was providing all the wrong answers because Biden and those around him, they're asking the wrong questions. Well, what's the issue then? She said, these are the issues, mental illness, and of course, broken families. Biden, she said, is providing all the wrong answers, and she wanted to touch on the most important issues that we have failed to address. We should be asking ourselves what happens when parents don't parent their children. What happens when a parent is not parenting their children? What happens when you have kids that grow up in fatherless homes? What happens when you have kids that have mental instability issues that aren't getting treatment or they're told that they came from nothing so there's no value in life? These are the right questions that we need to find answers to. Now, we know as believers the answer is in the Bible. also want to talk about just from 2007 and the invention of the social media world and technology through one device, the smartphone, and seeing a decline of mental health and increase of suicides from that point forward, all of which, again, it's a godless world, and when you engage it, you are going to come out of it in a worse state. And our kids are the damaged goods, so to speak, because of our failure to be the salt and the light, the salt that preserves and the light that pushes back the darkness. Think about it. Social media, godlessness in schools, mental health on the rise. We can expect tragedy after tragedy on the trajectory that we are on, but there's hope. And I believe in the final segment, we're going to talk about that hope. Our God is sovereign. We're here on AFA at the core. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. Just really wanted to get a handle on these current issues and point us back to the answer. Our God is sovereign. He sees us. Let's lean into him now more than ever before. When we come back after these, this quick break, we'll talk more. Do you know that even here in America, the buying, selling, abusing, and discarding of women and children happens every day? I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Join me and Janelle Esbenshade of North Star Initiative, a ministry helping to restore broken lives ravaged by human trafficking. Our theme for this weekend's program is entitled The Scourge of Human Trafficking, Modern Day Slavery at Its Worst, Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow 
political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Persecuted Christians in China, they're beaten, jailed, and threatened with death, and they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and just outside of Beijing, 12-year-old Ming became a believer after learning English as a second language through a program from Bible League because the Bible is the source of the reading assignments. Ming would lead her father, Daiku, a Confucianist to Christ, but her bitter atheist mother has turned them in for attending a house church near their home outside of Beijing. Now, we're not sure what's going to happen to these two, but they remain faithful in worship, and they're praying for Bibles because in their church of two There's only about three Bibles. Many are known to stay after the service to write down some scriptures just to have something to take into their week. And 50-year-old Katsu, beaten and jailed many times as a pastor, he led his atheist interrogator to Christ. Together they've seen thousands come to Christ. They need Bibles in China. We're sending God's Word to 16,000 persecuted believers. We have to do this by the end of June. So at $5 a Bible, call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. Most of my life, I've tried to be in control. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic, and people like us are big into control. That'll give you a fit in traffic and in church. My problem is that every time I wasn't in control, I got hurt. So I'm trying to stop, and I'm better in traffic and in church. You see, I trust you. Well, not you, but God's spirit in you. I don't have to be your mother because God is your father. And you don't have to be mine for the same reason. Those crazy drivers, now that's another thing altogether. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome back to AFA at the Core. My name is Matthew Mayer, filling in for Walker Wildman. This is pretty hot topic that we've been not only talking about today on the show, but even all week. And of course, our role and goal is to provide a biblical worldview to tackle some of these more serious issues. But I don't want to overcomplicate it. In fact, my intention is to simplify it and just look at it for what it is. The evil in our world is a result of us pushing God out of that world, especially in our context where our country was founded on Judeo-Christian values and there's a current movement to de-Christianize our society. And you can go back and just see how that trajectory of removing God from the public space has welcomed the enemy and his ideology. And of course, our children are usually the ones that are the casualties of us not standing up and fighting for our rights and appreciating our freedoms, and we've become this land of woke justice. So I'm going to kind of change news cycles here for a second. All of it's really built upon the same framework. Why do the nations rage? Why are people raging against God? Why are people plotting vain things? We look at it from the Bible's lens, and you see this is the very same strategy from the beginning of time, from Lucifer himself, And it goes out into the reprobate minds of men and women everywhere. And of course, this is the result. When you say, I don't want God, God bows to our free will, and he exits and leaves, and what is left is a vacuum, and it's filled with evil. 
and the recent shooting, and there will be many more tragedies, all it does is present these power grabs from evil people in power. It's what they're looking for. They don't care about the casualties. They don't care about the tragedies. They don't care about the people that are hurting. No, they'll use it. They'll exploit it, and they'll try to grab more power. In the case of guns, they'll use the gun violence. And I love what Rick Green said all week. He, he reiterated it's not mass shootings. That is taking something that's like actually amoral. You can go to a shooting range and shoot. It's mass murders. And, and here's another point. Governments over time, when you study it, that have taken guns away from their people have always led to genocide. And the greatest murders or mass murders of history were done by governments that took the guns away from the people. And we're in the same setting and situation, right? Well, whether it's gun violence and you can turn the page, whether it's social justice or even health compliance, the rulers of this world, those that are not harnessed by heaven, the Holy Spirit, they will always posture, they will always position themselves against heaven. That's what we're watching. Whether directly or indirectly, some virtue signal, and it lacks true virtue, all of which to you know appease the masses, whether it's personal defiance in our own lives, national defiance, global defiance, all of it's really just rebelling against God. What we're witnessing it, we're seeking, we're seeing man's attempt to replace God. Right, let's kind of move slowly into verse two. I read verse one earlier. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Well, the kings of the earth set themselves, that's rulers, that's leaders, that's presidents, that's politicians, and the rulers take counsel together. That's other rulers, other organizations. And they attack the Lord and his anointed. And here's the refrain or rebellious cry of their heart. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. I often teach, it says, what are the bonds? They're biblical boundaries, the beautiful boundaries of the Bible. What are the cords? Are the cords of Christ's commandments. And a sinful heart wants to break free from those bonds. And they want to cast away those cords. We're seeing that happen, not only in our land, in our own lives, we can relate. When we are rebelling against God, we push away from biblical boundaries, and God allows us, so we go from liberty to gluttony to complacency to apathy to dependency back to bondage. That's the cycle. And the Lord waits for us to come back to Him, right? And this is where we're at. So I kind of want to take us from the gun violence discussion to something that you might not even be aware of because it was subtly attempted to pass through in what was called the World Health Assembly Gathering. It took place recently. What you might not be aware of is that there are these global organizations that are godless. They don't operate from a biblical worldview, one of which championed what is called the Great Reset. That's the World Economic Forum, right? The Great Reset. And I've talked about that before on the program. The Great Reset is really man's attempt at fixing things with this idea of resetting things, but they got to break things before they do that. So you're watching the breaking of all these systems currently so they can reset it, and all of which is to lead us into a one world order. I digress, but I think it's worthwhile to see how the nuclear family is currently under attack. It's man's attempt to break it. Our borders have been broken, right? A flood with illegal immigration. Our economy's broken. Why? Because man without God breaks things. Our world is broken. Our public school systems are broken, teaching kids all these godless ideologies and critical race theory. I mean, the list goes on. And that's the Great Reset. 
not telling the world to repent. No, telling the world you need to reset. Well, there's another organization known as the World Health Organization. Now, why is this pivotal? Not sure if you're aware of this, but in January of this past year, officials from the Biden administration quietly sent the WHO, World Health Organization, 13 amendments for them to consider to their international health regulations, the IHRs. Okay, what are the international health regulations? Well, in the in the same way we just navigated coronavirus, the WHO and the CDC, these organizations come together and they provide obviously medical advice. Well, well, here's what Biden tried to do secretly. He kept these amendments hidden. We recently found out about them. They went public in April, and the amendments were basically trying to give the World Health Organization sovereignty. In other words, if there was a pandemic, maybe even one that hasn't materialized yet, but the possibility of one, that the World Health Organization would literally make the decisions for the United States of America's health response. That, in two words, is a form of medical tyranny. Giving over your rights to globalists to make decisions? If you thought COVID was bad, this would be worse. And I want you to listen to this clip. It's longer than usual because I really don't think a lot of people know about it. At least people in my community here in New Jersey didn't know about it. When I brought it up from the pulpit and I was just teasing out this idea about our rights being taken away and you're unaware of what's even happening, I want you to listen to this clip, listen to the content, and I want you to know there's good news on the other side of the clip. So it's not gloom and doom at this particular point. I'm just wanting to bring you in with the knowledge of what is happening on a global level. Because the enemy from time to time shows us his cards. And when he shows us his cards, it's wise to know what he's up to. So even though there might be a failed attempt, it's wise to know that he's going to come back stronger and harder. So I got to be prepared for it. So we're going to run clip three. Listen to what the World Health Organization, in conjunction with the Biden administration, was currently up to without us knowing. Run quick clip three, please. The World Health Organization's 75th World Health Assembly is underway in Geneva, Switzerland, and one of the items on the agenda are amendments to the WHO's international health regulations. There's been widespread concern that amendments offered by the Biden administration would hand over U.S. national sovereignty on matters of health to the WHO. They would allow the WHO to declare a health emergency in the United States, require the U.S. to report to an international compliance committee on whether it was obeying WHO directives, and would create an enforcement mechanism to essentially punish nations that don't follow the WHO's directives. And that would mean whether it's social distancing, whether businesses are essential or not, whether churches are essential, lockdowns, different kinds of treatment, all of that would be under the jurisdiction and sovereignty of an international body and no longer under the United States of America. Representative Chris Smith, ranking member of the House Global Health Subcommittee, called it an egregious breach of constitutional principle. Adding to suspicion about the amendments is that they were sent to the WHO in January, apparently without a public announcement, and were only discovered online last month. The wording of the amendments would certainly seem to give the WHO authority over the U.S. government. 
But how much teeth would the amendments actually have? The WHO Director General has branded claims that the amendments are a power grab, distortions and disinformation, saying the WHO could not override the sovereignty of member nations. WHO is an expression of member state own sovereignty and WHO is entirely what the sovereign 194 member states want WHO to be. And a Georgetown University law professor who helped write the international health regulations that the Bush White House signed on to in 2005 said the WHO only has the power to make recommendations. It could not force a country to allow WHO staff to interfere with its public health decision making. Travis Weber, Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs at the Family Research Council, says while the amendments offered are disturbing, even if the international health regulations had the force of a treaty, which they do not, the U.S. Constitution would have the final say and not the WHO. It does not trump the Constitution. Even in the case of a treaty, it's similar to a statute passed by Congress in its level of authority. The Constitution still trumps that. And a new report says the amendments are now not expected to even be decided on this week. There is, however, concern the amendments could be incorporated into a new global pandemic treaty, which the WHO has been calling for. Republican Senators Steve Daines and Tom Cotton sent a letter to the White House Friday calling for the U.S. to leave the WHO as it did under President Trump saying the World Health Organization absolutely cannot be trusted with more power. It's clear from several of the WHO's own statements that it wants more power to fight future pandemics. What's not clear is if the proposed amendments would grant it the power some say it will. Dale Hurd, CBN News. I mean, that's pretty alarming if you didn't know about that. That was happening behind the scenes this very subtle way to give up your rights, to give up the American sovereignty to a organization that would be able to declare health emergencies. Now, here's the good news. It failed miserably. So those 13 proposed amendments to the international health regulations that would allow unilateral power to the World Health Organization, organization to declare public health emergency. They would have you getting vaccines in both your arms, both your legs. You'd be wearing a mask over your eyes with the next pandemic and these types of people making those decisions. It failed miserably. It was denied. Now, I get reports from Intercessors for America. You can find out more information about who they are and what they're up to. They do a great job in, of inviting us into prayer about these issues that a lot of the times we don't even know about. You can find out more information at ifapray.org. That's Intercessors for America, ifapray.org. So we can breathe a little bit easier in light of that failure, but that's the enemy showing his cards. He does so from time to time. It'd be wise to note what he's up to because he's going to swing back like an accordion or like I've said before, a boa constrictor. The snake sometimes loosens up its grip or its squeeze only to come in stronger. I'm staring at my computer screen right now as we're doing the show and something just struck me. I'm looking at a snake wrapped around a pole. That's the sign or symbol of the World Health Organization. And that is a biblical symbol. If you know anything about the Bible and how the Israelites were complaining and they were grumbling and God sent serpents to bite them and the only cure 
for those curses was for Moses to hold up a pole and wrap around it one of those snakes, a bronze serpent and pole. And that is the exact symbol that the World Health Organization and even the um, you know the medical organizations use. And it's and it's a symbol that's in the Bible. And it's like they've removed Christ as the cure, and now man's attempt to to be the cure always leads to tyranny. So I don't care what the issue is, whether it's gun violence, whether it's health compliance, or whether it's woke justice. I mean, you pick it, it's man at his base nature rebelling against God, whether it's Pride Month. We can walk into Pride Month. We're in June. That's man's celebration of his sin at the expense of God, another biblical symbol that is used. You'll see it everywhere you go. It's a rainbow. You can Google pride, and you'll see a rainbow, and people colored colored in a rainbow come across your screen. Every company that our armed forces have even posted pictures of the pride rainbow. Think about that. They're more focused on the pride rainbow, our armed forces, sadly, than the red, white, and blue. And while countries and nations are raging, Oh, America, we're celebrating that you can have different genders and sexual orientation. We are celebrating our sin. We are breaking loose from biblical boundaries. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Why are kings of this earth setting themselves and the rulers are taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed? Why is the cry of their heart, let's break these bonds in pieces, let's cast away these cords from us? Well, that's why. A world without God, and yet we the church the believers. We serve a God who is sovereign. I wish I had more time to tease out how there's hope that we need to take back these freedoms. We need to fight for what is right. We need to stand for life. We need to know our God sits in the heavens and he laughs at man's attempt to rebel. He holds them in derision. Their attempt might be to de-Christianize society, but guess what? You Christian, you be Christ in society. Be salt, be light. Stand in the gap. Let us continue this march for freedom together. My name is Matthew Mayer. This is AFA at the Core, filling in for Walker Wildman. Until next time, have an awesome weekend, ladies and gentlemen. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.